Hallelujah. Okay. Good evening, everyone. It is time to get started. Trust you are all, you all have been having a great day, a great week so far. Amen. All right. Um, we are going to kick this off. I want to make sure that we're live on every platform. Yes, we are. And I'm going to put the by flyer up. It's Revelation code we're on right now, but we are currently in Mysteries of the Kingdom. All right. I think that's good. Exit with that. And um, let me post this link on every platform. How's everyone doing, by the way? How are your respective days? Thank you, Jesus, for a great day. Thank you, Jesus, for utterance in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Um, let me make sure I have my chat window here open. Ah, it's open in the other side. Oh, how fun. Okay, there it is. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> All right. How's everyone doing? Everyone having a great day? Welcome, MM. Welcome, friends of Dami. I haven't seen you in a very long time. <laughs> um, welcome, Fumi. Oh, miss. I'm guessing, I'm, I'm assuming you're a missus or miss, or you're older than me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but welcome. Welcome. I must have more. How are you doing? <laughs> welcome, Auntie Rhoda. Good to see y'all. How's everyone doing? I am back in Nigeria. <laughs> I am indeed back in Nigeria. <laughs> You've not seen me in a long time, right? It has been a minute. Yes, I agree. It has been a while. <laughs> yeah, that's what is doing good. If that's what is doing good, I know everyone's doing good. Because you're going to spread that goodness everywhere. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay. So, um, so good, right? Yes. So quick question, by the way. Anyone have any questions in the book of Revelation? I always thought it'd be very interesting to ask that. Ask, ask that. Um, quite literally, any portion of the book is game for question and answer. So if you can just, anyone have any questions, just let me know before we start. As I keep on, I'm going to ramble for a bit as I post these links. So um, welcome to um, the Revelation Code. Um, Revelation Code right now is a spinoff of our weekly um, Crystal River series called mm -hmm. Mysteries of the Kingdom. Pastor Francis Seabor is the host of this meeting, and he's um, given me the honor and the privilege to, by the grace and mercy of God, bring forth the word, um, or at least, you know, minister, whatever portion of Christ um, the Lord will have me minister at this time. I hope I bring forth every measure that he will have me release, I mean, in the name of Jesus. Um, Mission of the Kingdom, we all know, is concerned with mysteries of the kingdom. <laughs> and um, right now, the mystery we are focusing on is the mysteries in the book of Revelation. It is such a cryptic book to many people, um, but really it's a lot simpler than um, we give it credit for. So, okay, since it looks like there's no more questions, <laughs> I say no more because there's always been, <laughs> but um, since it looks like there's no questions, I think we're ready to start. Welcome everyone. My name is Francis Seabor Jr. And as I explained before, this is Mission of the Kingdom. And we're gonna say a quick word of prayer as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you're doing on the earth. Even at this time, there are movements of your spirit leading to the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we get to be a part of it. We celebrate all that you're doing, Lord God, even at this time, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, because you that is groaning, causing creation to groan, you are causing us to groan. We who have the earnest of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, 
for the redemption of the body of Christ, that the body of Christ will experience the fullness of redemption. We say thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, let me see here. So um, last week we started off, I jumped a lot of scripture um, last week when we started, and I jumped across Revelations 1, Revelations 2, Revelations 3, Revelations 4, Revelations 5, and I jumped to Revelations chapter 6. And I did this um, because I felt like I wanted to hit the portions of scripture. So Mama is currently, I think Mama is hitting or was hitting at least um, Revelations 1, 2, and 3. And I wanted to make sure that she um, released everything so that, you know, if there's any corrections I needed to make as well, those can be made um, as the series continues. But I feel like um, she's left um i don't i'm not seeing her going back there that said i'm going to ho hold a pause on that and maybe what i'll do is i'll record sessions for revelations one two one through five and then we would share more on that but it is a very juicy portion of scripture and it's it's i mean if you understand the narrative being painted there it, it shows a lot of things submitting yourself to the lord the power of the blood of jesus the lord's love for us um, the, 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 also the detail with which God looks at our lives. God doesn't skip out on details in our lives and how personal God takes our walk with him. Um, how personal angels take our walk with God too. And how personal, how seriously Jesus took our redemption. It's all captured in one chapters one through five, um, and so many beautiful verses of scripture. And what I love about the book of Revelation is that book of Revelation is not trying to hide anything from us. The book of Revelation is actually trying to reveal. It literally is called the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation code. I have here this little graphic from the Bible Project. It's kind of like a little bit of a map that they did. I love this because this, with this little map, it breaks down kind of like the basic structure of the book, and it makes it very easy to understand. And when I say very easy to understand, I mean like not like ridiculously easy to understand, but like it's a whole lot easier to understand when you look at the book this way. And to be honest with you, a lot of the structure that I feel reading the book i can see in this little diagram here hope everyone can see this i don't know how clear it is on those who are watching remotely but on my end it looks super crystal clear and really sharp but i'm sure um everyone has a different perspective but um yes i mean looking at this you have revelations one through three that's one two and three one through three right and that's the message of the seven churches and then you then have everything like kind of kick into high gear from chapters four, where we ascend to the throne room of God, um, where we get our context for the revelation of Christ. And then from there, we have the breaking of the seven seals, um, chapters six through eight. Um, then we have the seven trumpets. And then we have, um, interestingly, they have this portion here called the seven signs. I I tried putting that in the my presentation, but I don't think I went ahead with it because I couldn't. Can I share the file? Sure thing. Uh, on this chat. Hmm, can I do that? Let me see. Let me see if I can do that. Let me see if I can do that. Um, live stream assets I have here. Crystal Rivers. Mm, Mission of the Kingdom. Presentations. Revelation Code. Let's see here. Bright BG. Uh, hmm. I don't see a heel. Yeah, I don't think I have a heel. Let me see, I know I have it somewhere. Let me check my um, show in properties, media properties and show in finder. 
There it is. Okay. So we're going to drag and drop in the chat. Hopefully it lands. So let me know if you guys can see it. I just send it to the group chat. If you can see it, give a thumbs up and a hallelujah and an amen <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> it's a little, it shouldn't be that heavy though, but um, you can find this on the Bible Project, by the way, their website. Okay. Then um, after the seven signs, I, again, I couldn't really find that. But I think I kind of integrated that a little bit into great. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Um, then we have the seven bowls of wrath. And then we have the fall of Babylon. And then the final battle and the marriage of heaven and earth. I like how they call it that. I love the narrative. I honestly appreciate the work that the Bible Project has put in to informing the body about the beauty of the scriptures. And I like what they're doing in trying to erase a lot of things that way you erase from the average Christian's um, thought processes. Many believers, they struggle with understanding the Bible, not because the Bible is written to be hard, but because people that hate the understanding of the Bible did damage to Christianity several thousand years ago. One of them is a man called Constantine. And basically he taught the church to hate the Jews. And this hatred for the Jews, it actually entered into our English translations. Um, there's so many scary things that you don't even want to hear about as far as like the warfare between the Jewish people and Christians in times past, now things are coming full circle. Christians are embracing their Jewish heritage. Christians are loving on the Jews. Christians are praying for the Jews. It was not like that a few um, centuries ago. And um, even till now, we still see people who see Jewish symbols like the menorah or shofar, and they feel spooked out by these symbols, right? Of the place where our savior came from. Imagine, Imagine you discover that, um, imagine you discover, let's say someone comes to save you, right? And he comes from a distant land. And in that land, they have a way they dress. They have a way they talk. They have a way they speak. They have mannerisms, right? And a man from that place comes in and visits you and he gives you salvation. How would you respond if you see someone that is from that area, right? That is the picture of how we should have treated the Jewish people, Right. It's very funny, too, because the Bible says that the Jewish people will not experience their salvation until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, meaning that unless they recognize Christ in the Gentiles, the Jewish people will not be saved. Hallelujah, which is so interesting. So we have to see Christ in them. They have to see Christ in us. And it's a wonderful thing. And by Christ in them, we mean like the where he sprang from. Basically, Christ was Jesus was um, Jewish by ge genealogy and stuff or whatever. And that is not blasphemy. <laughs> I think everyone agrees with me there. Um, so yeah, um, because of that schism, what we now have are many Christians trying to read their Bibles without any context. And that context that is so crucial um, for understanding the scriptures is what we need to reading your Bible. A good example of this is how I can't give you a Bible to read if you don't know how to read. Does that make sense? Um, it doesn't matter how anointed the Bible is um, there's a few explosions of God's power you can receive, but God wants us to exercise our intellect in digesting the scriptures, you know, um, exercise our emotions and other faculties with the scriptures. And what a shame it is for a believer to not be able to exercise their intellect accurately in digesting the scriptures. Um, you see many people, there's many things I can show you from the scriptures that you might think are deep and they're, wow, just fantastical and this and this and this. But the truth is that they were never intended to be deep or even hidden. They were just right there. And it's just because, again, we're not able to read the line. It's like when you, I mean, the Bible itself is deep, don't get me wrong, but like there's some things that are surface level. 
And there's many things that, for example, now during conferences, I will talk about sometimes and they come up as wow, wow, wow. And they're all wow, wow, wow. Simply because this is not common, like it's not knowledge that everyone has, it's not common knowledge. And it's rare almost. And um, what a shame that is. By the grace and mercy of God, that is no longer the case, amen? I want to say something that's really important. I said this before. The book of Revelation is not trying to be cryptic. It's not trying to be hidden. It's not trying to be mysterious, amen? The book of Revelation is actually trying to be as plain as possible. Now, I'm saying this with air quotes because yes, it is trying to be as plain as possible, but intelligently and efficiently plain as possible. And what do I mean by that? The book of Revelations is not... Um, speaking to us um, in a way that is cryptic, but it does borrow heavily or lean heavily on prophetic themes and memes in the scriptures. So for that reason, don't be surprised if you see callbacks to things like the tree of life. Amen. We know the tree of life is the life of Jesus. Amen. So why on earth do they keep on referencing the tree of life? It's just borrowing lingo that any Bible student would have. Does that make sense? So it's not when the Bible says, and there was a tree of life. The Bible is not trying to hide the fact that the tree of life is Jesus from you. Amen. He, the Bible is just using pre-existing themes and languages. In fact, in many ways, the Bible is telling you what that thing you saw there was, assuming it was never spelt out. We know this because on the very first page of the book of Revelation, it starts off by saying the mystery of the seven lampstands is the seven churches, the mystery of the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The book starts off with Jesus explaining everything that John saw, and they keep on explaining everything. You hear about the 144,000, and you're like, oh my goodness, who are this 144,000? When John looks at the 144,000, he sees people of every tribe and tongue of the earth standing before God, shouting salvation to our God. Amen? So the book of Revelation is not trying to hide things from you. Amen? You would see several places. Who is the Lamb of God, right? Sorry, who's the land of the tribe of Judah? And we see the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Okay, you guys get the idea. So um, I think it's fair we continue. Again, I mentioned before that I will, what I will do is I would do recordings on chapters one through five, and then we will play those um, successfully. My goal is that they will be as efficient as possible and to the point as possible. Okay, if you have any questions at any point during this, um, session, please drop your questions in the comments and we will go deep into the scriptures. Amen. Um, by the way, did anyone understand what I said yesterday about the coming of the Lord and rapture during, during um, open book? I was so shocked that lady understood what I said. I wasn't sure if she was doing that so we could end open book or if I was actually intelligible. You know, many times I talk and in my head, what I'm saying is making sense. But when I play the recordings, it is such it is so heartbreaking hearing my voice sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, did anyone understand? I'm not seeing any responses, but I'm guessing I'm not the only one that was petrified by, <laughs> by what happened. But um, I really hope at least one person got understanding, genuine understanding of what happened. Um, hallelujah. But all right, no response. I'm just going to jump right in and save myself the embarrassment of. <laughs> so um, we started off with the seven seals, right? Let me start with the precursors, okay? To our compass again, prophetic. Um, there is a prophetic sequential structure with the prophetic retellings in the scriptures. And I use the example of Exodus chapters 19 and 20. And you know what? Let's actually go there so I can paint to you exactly what's happening, okay? Because I can keep on saying these things 
and no one actually goes back in and reads them. So basically in Exodus chapter 19, God comes on the mountain, right? And Moses went, goes and speaks to God and God says, you know what I did to the Egyptians? I basically, I, I threw a bomb in Egypt, right? Worth a 10 plague bomb basically, okay? And I want Israel to be my, my bae, my girlfriend, my, my chosen treasure, my, my bride, my everything, right? God wants to marry Israel. If you study the Jewish culture, that's actually what God is doing right here, okay? So Moses announces everything to everyone and says, hey, y'all, God wants to marry you. You know, you guys are God's spec. <laughs> is God your spec? They're like, oh, yeah, God is our spec. They're like, okay, um, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses took the words of the people back to the Lord. And Google God now says, okay, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. Bridal lingo, right? <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, look at this, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Okay. Every time in scripture, you see references to white linen, to white outfits. It's a reference to this. Okay. The preparation for the coming of the Lord is what they're referencing right there. Okay. Let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. The third day is the day the Lord appears in the sight of all of Israel. For us, the third day is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sky where all people will see him, right? On the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Okay, so basically God's going to come in the sight of all the people. When, that, when the Lord appears, don't just jump in there, okay? It says here, Anyone who touches the mountain shall be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stumped or shot with an arrow. Sorry, one second. Let me take a sip of water real quick. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, then they shall come near the mountain. So basically the Bible is saying here, okay, when God shows up, okay, manifestly, okay, no one should come to the mountain. All right. The Lord's appearance is not the sign of you coming to the mountain. Okay. Some things have to happen first. Okay. And what is that thing that needs to happen first? The Lord appears first, but then the trumpet has to sound long. Okay. That is a signal for going up into the mountain. Amen. Now that is akin to the sounding of the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelations. Okay. It's akin to the last trumpet in the book of first Corinthians 15 and in first Thessalonians chapter four. That is the trumpet that we refer to as the last trump. Amen. Is a trumpet sounding long in Revelations 10. The Bible says, in the days of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, okay? When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Now, if you are not careful, you can miss out something very important here, okay? Let's keep on going. Moses went down from the mountains of the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes, okay? So God gives, gave instructions. Here's everything playing out, okay? He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Now, note that, that is verse 16, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, okay? Because the Lord descended upon it in fire, its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, Okay. And the whole mountain quaked greatly when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Now, 
traditionally, and even I myself, I had missed out so many times on a secret gem that is captured here. The details of what happened between God and Israel, okay, um, um, as far as like their acquaintanceship, their meeting, the consequence of the trumpet sounding long, it's not explicitly captured in chapter 19 of Exodus, okay? It is actually captured in chapter 20. And that's when I discovered something that was very interesting. You, the way the Bible is written, it's not always written sequentially the way we think about it, but sometimes we have flashbacks. This is very important for understanding scriptures. And the reason I'm saying this is because Exodus chapter 20 is a flashback to a specific point in time in Exodus chapter 19, specifically when the trumpet sounds long, okay? You will miss it if you are not careful, because I did, and I assume that everyone is like me. We're all learning, trying to figure this thing out, right? The Bible says here, the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain, and the Lord called to Moses at the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, go down, warn the people, lest they break through to gaze to the Lord, and many of them perish. And let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves. Okay, so I want to draw emphasis again to the place where the Bible says the trumpet was very loud in verse 16. You don't see that until chapter 20, okay? The Bible says, and God spoke all these words saying. Now, Exodus chapter 20 from verse 1 is not a follow-up to Exodus chapter 19 verse 25, amen? Exodus 20 verse 1 actually takes us back all right, to verse, I believe it's verse 16. Let's see here. Sorry, verse says, yes, verse 19. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice, okay? And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to top of the mountain and Moses went up, okay? Chapter 20, God spoke all these words saying, you know, basically the Ten Commandments, God lists out like what his house is meant to be like. I want to marry you. This is what my house wants to be like, okay? The Bible says in verse 18, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, okay? And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off, okay? Now, this would have been fine if the trumpet was not sounding long because God said, stay away from the mountain until the trumpet sounds long. But look at how Moses responds, okay? When the people drew back, look what the Bible says. The Bible says, the trumpet stood afar off. And he said to Moses, speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Yes, different understanding of a wedding proposal. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> because basically when, I mean, this is what happens with ladies, right? Basically, um, a man is proposing to a lady. Ladies are looking for protection and safety, right? Protection, safety, covering, okay? If she feels like the guy can protect, lead, guide, everything or whatever, then she would gladly submit to the, to the husband, right? And basically, that partnership between both of them is what drives the home. But the, the husband figure is the, is the one that basically, basically, if the husband figure is not priestly by nature, you end up with a home that is not biblical. Amen. Um, and what I mean by that is not that any home that the husband, ah, I don't want to get into that rabbit trail. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? Please understand what I'm saying in Jesus' name. See if you understand it. Amen. My point just being all this is that the Lord is the one that's in charge. And then husbands are meant to mirror that part. Amen. But then the Lord is not in charge to the detriment. That was so because I said the Lord is in charge. <laughs> but the Lord is not um, in charge to the detriment of the 
wishes and opinions and everything else of the bride. Because if you check the scriptures, you would see that the Lord wants to partner with us. Amen. God wants us to sit on the throne next to him. In other words, um, the marriage structure is one of elevating the one that is submissive. That is how we're meant, husbands are meant to mirror the Lord in elevating those that are, um, what should we call them? You guys get the idea. All right, I'm keep on going. Ah, feminist, feminism will not um, appreciate what I just said. <laughs> All right, so um, um, let's see here. You, yes, the people that tremble and stood afar off. Then he said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. The people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. So here you see Moses drawing near, but this time he's not drawing near with the people, all right? That is us zooming back to Exodus chapter 19. I believe it's from verse, let's start from verse 18, I believe. Let's see here. Yep, yep, yep. Lord spoke, go warn the people, don't come near. Uh, I went too far. Uh-huh. When the trumpet hung, Moses spoke, God answered, then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, and the Lord called Moses. So when the Lord called Moses over the mountain, the Lord actually called everyone, but only Moses responded by drawing near when the trumpet sounded loud. Now, this is a picture of what's going to happen in the church. Amen. When the trumpet sounds long, when the seven trumpet sounds, only those who have been listening to the other trumpets, who wash their clothes, who are ready for the coming of the Lord to be able to respond. Okay. So I'm showing you all of this so I can explain this one point right here. Amen. When I say that the book of Revelation is written with a prophetic sequential structure with prophetic retellings and flashbacks, that is what I'm talking about here. You can have an entire chapter dedicated to a flashback. Now, it is very important that you understand this because you're going to have chapters of the book of Revelation, like Revelation 17 and 18, that were literally flashbacks. Like Revelation 7 and 18, 17 and 18, the fall of Babylon is given like its own room to breathe. It's a drama. It's a spinoff series by itself. It's a, it's a whole movie by itself. And John was careful to document that as a spinoff separate from everything else. So you have these sequences of things happening with Revelation. The bowls of wrath are poured out. But then another chapter is given to zoom in on the destruction of Babylon. You're going to have several times we talk about the breaking of seals. After the seals are broken, you have um, um, six seals being broken. By the six seals being broken, you have the stamping of the angel upon the 144,000 in chapter eight. You then have this vision of this angel at the golden altar offering incense with the prayer of the saints. You know, and you have these visions. Then you get to the blowing of the seven trumpets, right? The seven trumpets begin to sound. After the six trumpet sounds, you have an angel that looks like an atmosphere descending upon the earth. You have the two witnesses. You have um, um, a whole bunch of stuff happening. You can get lost if you're not understanding the fact that what's happening here are visions that are flashbacks to things that happened at different points during the sounding of the seven trumpets. This is why Mama has said things like, Book of Revelation is not straight. It's not like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It is, but it's not because of this whole point here of prophetic flashbacks. Does that make sense? So in a quick summary, um, the way the Bible Project describes all of this is one of the best because they lay it out. You have the seven seals, okay? Seven trumpets and then the seven bowls. But then in between the seven seals and the seven trumpets are a bunch of visions. In between the seven trumpets and the seven bowls are also visions as well. These visions are the prophetic flashbacks, prophetic retellings of things that already happened, okay?
So I'm going to move on forward. Any questions, anyone? Again, you can ask at any point in time, okay? All right. So Revelations chapter 6, um, the breaking of the seven seals. Why is this important? Amen? Why is this important? Basically, the book of Revelation, okay, revolves heavily around the book of life. And the book of life, um, again, please understand that there is no physical book in heaven. Amen? And I, I can assure you, irrespective of your prophetic experiences, I've had prophetic experiences with books before. I've had prophetic experiences with trees before. I have prophetic experiences with all of these, you know, these visual things. Amen. What they're talking about most of the time is the life of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. Amen. And this life has um, compartments. All right. And a beautiful way of illustrating that is that the life of God inside of you is a book. We see this in Psalms 139 when the Bible said that all of our lives were written in the book of the Lord. Each day when as yet you had lived none of them. Amen. So as you're living out each day, the Lord is writing. He's lived out this and he's lived out that. And da, 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 da. Okay. That is the book of life. Amen. The book of life is not a literal book. Amen. It is, for lack of better words, this source of life. Amen. It is a source of life. I think I said during the conference, during the Watchman conference, the best way you can describe the book of life is as a battery, right? a power source. And that power source has a wisdom or intelligence about it. It's not just releasing power randomly. There is a wisdom by which that power is released. And that wisdom is all those writings that's captured down here. So in the book of life, you have things like your Christ-likeness, things like you are healed. Amen. It's not that there's literally a book that says Y-O-U space, A-R-E space, H-E-A-L-E-D. We know that spirits don't speak English. Amen. We know that spirits, they speak spirit, right? What does that mean? Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Spirits don't communicate with words the way we think they do. Spirits communicate with operations. Amen. And the way that we, we humans interact with these operations are by words. Because basically what's happening is that spirits, all right, their, their operations are, are basically communicated through thoughts. So if you're able to conceive, right, an operation of a spirit alone, that allows you to interact with it. In other words, when something, you want something, you want, when you can even imagine something, that operation is not too far away from you, okay, amen? Now, the more you imagine that thing, the more intricately woven that thing is with your consciousness, the more from the grip that thing forms. Now, record keeping in the, rec in the realm of the spirit, all right, is by this wisdom, is by this technology. Records are not kept in physical books. Records are kept in memories of entities, amen? Now, because in the spiritual realm, no one dies, amen? No one actually dies. Like, no one stops existing. Everyone keeps on existing in the realm of the spirit, amen? Contrary to what some people say, um, that people have come up with theories now that hell is not everlasting, ever an everlasting um, destination. That is true. Um, the de everlasting destination for those who rebel um, actively against the Lord unrepentantly is the lake of fire. But they also explain that, oh, the torment there will not be, um, will not be um, everlasting. It would be um, how like compartmentalized. It would be for a short period of time, and then they will cease to exist. You're going to have a lot of difficulty proving that with the scriptures. Amen. You have to extrapolate all the things and you have to come up with different ways of explaining some things away. Long story short, the Bible explains that all of those, all right, that oppose the lamb, they will be burning in the presence of the Lord and the lamb and the smoke of their torment arises forever and ever. Amen. 
There is no mincing words about that. Amen. And it's not that God is going to be there supervising the burning up of his enemies. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The presence of God is going to flood all of creation and all that exists. And you're going to find that presence of God um, commanding and demanding that the enemies of God um, basically stop, stop um, opposing him. And um, I don't want to get into that right now because that's going to be a lot, a lot of our time. But I hope everything I've, I've said so far makes sense. Spirits store, okay, records, all right, on themselves. So you'd have records, all right, of, of love. And there are literally entities, all right, that have that persona. They have that name. Does that make sense? Sorry, one second. All right, emergency, and I can't respond to that. Okay, does all this make sense? Yes, yes. So for example, let's say God wants to write a love letter to you, right? When God releases those words, okay, there are ent literal entities that emerge from God, okay? And those entities begin to travel. Now, um, um, what's actually comes out of God's mouth is his word, is Jesus Christ himself, amen? Now, when Jesus Christ emerges, the word of God does not emerge in isolation. You know, the way your blood works, your human blood, you want to transmit oxygen to a part of your body. Your, your human blood carries the oxygen, right? Yes, spiritual workers in themselves, yes, okay? Carries oxygen, right? Your blood carries oxygen, right? But that's not the only thing that's carried in blood. Along with blood are things like white blood cells, red blood cells, right? Um, hormones, all kinds of different things, food, nutrients, et cetera, et cetera, okay? All that is being carried by blood, okay? When it gets to the destination, it, the oxygen is given to it, right? This is morphing my brain or imagination. Is That's good, that's good, I like that, okay? And that blood is ministering the oxygen as well as many other things that that organ needs. That is how God communicates. When God speaks out of his mouth, all right, comes Jesus. But Jesus Christ doesn't come out in that isolation out of God's mouth. He comes with a cloud, for lack of better words, a cloud of witnesses, right? Literally angels, all right, surround Jesus, all right, as he's emerging from God. And all of those angels, they bear witness to what God's word is saying. Now, God does this in his wisdom because not everyone is able to receive the fullness of Jesus Christ by what God really wants to say. It's very crucial we understand this, okay? No spiritual entity actually uses just words alone. It's very crucial we understand this, okay? Like a nuclear explosion, I love that, right? And, and there's all these things all around it. When I speak or prophesy or pray, I travel and whip my enemies. I'm in multiple places, different realms. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, that's a really good one. Hallelujah. Amen? So you're releasing... The Lord is releasing all of these entities at the same time, okay? Now, as the Lord, is, as the Lord Jesus Christ is emerging and approaching the destination, the angels land first, bearing witness to what the Lord is going to do. If you receive the blessing of the angels, right, what happens is that what they come with, okay, begins to permeate your consciousness as a prophetic word, right, as a vision, as a dream, all right? Now, the end goal is not just that dream or that vision that you got, the end goal is receiving the word, which is Christ Jesus himself, all right? Now, once you, depending on how you respond to the herald of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right, all of these entities, they, they will, you know, basically land, approach you, approach you, approach you, and then they will now land on your heart. Now, when you receive the word, amen, 
all those entities, they will actually come and live inside of you. Okay? As you keep on receiving what God is saying, right? First of all, the angels will come and land first. And when the angels successfully landed inside, they would help culture your heart to receive Christ himself. Remember that verse that says that you may be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, right? That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Anyone ever seen that before? Ephesians chapter three, okay? All those creatures, they come and they form like a landing pad for the Lord Jesus. And then when they finish forming that landing pad, the angels will now, sorry, the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, will now come in and rest there. Amen? Hallelujah. So when you when you said this, by the way, when I speak a prophesy or pray, I travel and whip my enemies. Is that what you see visually? Is that what you're saying here? I'm in multiple places, different realms. This is true. Amen? I'm asking a question, by the way. If you can respond by typing, that'd be great. I'm talking to you, Shilei. Hallelujah. Imagination. Right, 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 right. And honestly speaking, we call this imagination, but many times in my shock, that's actually what's happening. That's what I've discovered many, many times. Okay? Okay. So uh, does everyone understand what I've said so far about records and books? Amen? So the book of life is not a literal book. Amen? The book of life is what? like Almost like a census. Think about the book of life as an... It gets really crazy if you keep on going. <laughs> Amen? If you keep on going. Because you can think about the book of life now as the entire, let's say, nation, cosmos of the heavenlies, amen, index, census, right, Regist regist registry, amen, because in the book of life, you can get every single thing about Jesus Christ in there. That's why I say things like, the book of life is a transcript of Jesus' life. Thank you. Life as a person, amen? Now, Jesus Christ came in the volume of the book, and because of how deep Christ, when I say deep Christ is, how vast Christ is, Amen. In the book of life is captured all of creation successfully because all of the things that brought creation to be, they're all present inside of God. Amen. And God's life is present inside of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So I'm hoping all of this makes sense here. All right. The book of life is not a physical book, right? Because again, spirits, they don't speak English. Spirits, they do not speak English. This is so critical. This is why when you're reading your Bible, all right, and then you now allow those words travel inside of you, all right? If you check the scriptures, people that engage God's word, right? And then they began and engaging God's word, you see things like, and the angel Gabriel was caused to fly swiftly, right? Or I have come because of your words. Or when you when you postured your heart like this, right? In this way, I was sent. Is everyone listening? So basically, um, we here on the earth, right? We communicate with sound waves, amen? Spiritual entities communicate by releasing entities. This is why when God wants to send you a message, he sends an angel, a messenger, right? God doesn't just give you a message, he sends you a messenger, amen? This is why um, God wants us to not just be communicators of the life of God, God wants us to live the life of God and we become the epistles of Christ just like Jesus Christ himself came in the volume of the books. Does all this make sense? So the unsealing of the book, amen, with everything we've said so far, if a book is sealed, what does that mean? That means that those, the operations in that book, you're not able to interact with them. Does that make sense? You're not able to interface with them, all right? And in context here of everything that we've said, we've explained that the book of life, all right, for us as believers, all right, details everything that is in Christ Jesus for us. I'm talking about the life of God, your redemption that is in Christ Jesus, amen? Because the unsealing of the book of life, all right, leads to the man-child company 
being born. It leads to the manifestation of the sons of God upon the earth. So we can easily say that the book of life, all right, is a redemptive plan of God. People have said it's the title lead of the earth. That's also true. That's captured in there as well. But a more, um, well, I say, well, I say holistic, a more targeted description I'll give to it would be along the lines of it is the life of God. It is the transcript of God's redemption, right? It is who Jesus Christ is. Can, can you see the difficulty sometimes in describing what this thing is? Because you're not describing a literal book, right? We are describing a spiritual reality. But we're using all these prophetic allegories so that we can understand what the Bible is saying. The book of life is not a physical book. That is the main goal, all right? If this thing was to manifest physically in front of me, you would see the person of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That is, this, this is not Jesus. This is a book. But in the realm of the spirit, anything that can bear all of these records, the only one that can bear all of these records that you're looking at here, these six, six books, the only one that can bear all of these things is Jesus. Is everyone listening? It's Christ Jesus. That is why we say things like it's, it's the word, right? We're talking about receiving, all right, that life of Jesus Christ that is in, in him. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. So you're having, and I want to encourage you, by the way, when you pray, let your imagination run wild. That is what your imagination is meant for. That's how you learn inspiration. That's how you learn to be creative. As believers, this is how we learn creativity, how we learn to get counsel, how we discover new ideas. And, and God doesn't want us as believers to be, how life phrases now, to be religious. Amen? So what I mean by this is God wants us to master these things. The reason why you want to spend a lot of time in prayer and fasting is because all of those things you learn in the place of prayer and fasting, God wants you to apply them in different environments. Amen. I'm talking to a friend just now about this. It's actually Francis. I'm talking about like um, 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 our spiritual giftings, right? Our spiritual eyes being open, uh, our, our, our spirituals being functional in non-secular and in, in non-sacred environments, in secular environments. You know, when we're not looking for a church service and someone to play the keyboard before we start talking about the Lord. We are able to function out in the wild. And you can do this with a lot of ease because of a lot of interaction with the Lord. You had a lot of practice in your person, your secret place. You have a lot of practice in place of prayer. And, you know, I'm saying this to encourage everyone or whatever. If you have, you know, you, if you visualize your, your prayer times, if you visualize the word, you are actually meant to actually do that. I, I encourage you to do this a lot. I remember it was a man of God that God used to help encourage me to do this. It was my carnal. And I didn't know that it was right to do it. So I, I thought it was a taboo thing. Like I'm praying, I'll see a little vision and I'll like take a peek and I'll go back and continue praying. Like, ah, uh, don't look too much. You want to focus on the Lord. And the Lord might show me that actually these things I'm showing you are to spice up your prayer life. So sometimes I, I remember one season of my life, oh Jesus, I, once I start praying, I'll see horses and I'll find myself on a horse and I'll be riding the horse. And I'll be like, yes, let's go. And then when the prayer, when the, um, the horses like, go faster and faster, the prayer will intensify. Yes, let's go, let's go. I don't know where we're writing to, but I'm just like, let's go. And the Lord used that to create a lot of spiritual momentum in my life. Amen? So um, I encourage you, let your imagination run wild. That is actually where revelation comes in. That is where brilliant ideas come in. And when heaven is looking for ideas, they want to drop on the earth, the bigger you make your goalposts, right? The easier it is for the enemy to score. And by the enemy here, I mean God. <laughs> God is not our enemy, but you get the idea for the strikers to score. Okay. So um, I hope everyone understands everything I've said so far. I'm going to keep on going. 
Hallelujah. Okay, it looks like if it understands, we thank God. Amen. So again, moving right along, um, the book of life, amen. If the book of life is everything you said it is, right? This transcript of God's life, amen. You can, you can easily say the book of life, right? Represents your spirit man, right? Because that's what your life of God on the inside of you is, right? The book of life is like your spirit man, right? But the book of life can be sealed to you. Amen. What does that mean? You're not able to live out the life of God in your spirit, man. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned against God, immediately sin began to come out of them, right? And give them instructions. That's why God asked Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? Why did he have to ask that question? Because when he asked them, Adam, where are you? Adam said, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. God checked his own book. He checked his life. Uh, I would never call Adam and Eve naked. So why? Why? Who told you you were naked? That's what God asked. And Adonai said something. The woman you gave to me, she gave me from the, from the fruits of the tree and I ate it. Now, I'm sure we all know, amen, that the fruit of the tree of not good and evil, right, is not a physical fruit. How many of you know that? Amen. There's no papa that when you eat it, the sin nature enters you. There is no guava there is no agbalomo hallelujah that when you eat it it's causes sin there's no apple right and so the people that hate android users they're like yes there is it's right there <laughs> that's a tree of, of, of the antichrist right there hallelujah amen no 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 the, the bible says that the seed is the word of god anyone ever heard that before the parable of the sower the seed is the word of god right and the bible says that god said let the earth bring forth Mama spoke about this yesterday, right? Herbs, herbs and trees that bring forth fruit, right? With their seed inside that brings forth after its own kind, right? So whenever anyone opens their mouth to speak, Bible says by their fruit, you shall know them, all right? When anyone speaks, all right, they release fruit. Now, inside of the fruit, all right, of that person's life are all of these seeds, all right? Some of them are good, some of them are evil. If you're a child of God, the goal is that you become like Jesus, the tree of life, where all of the fruits, all of the seeds in every fruit of your mouth, right, brings forth life, like the way Jesus Christ is. When Jesus Christ speaks, his voice is like the, the sound of many rushing waters, like the voice of a multitude, because all of the words inside of Jesus, is, all of the words in his words, in his, coming out from his mouth, they are all seeds of life. Does all this make sense? Let me know if this is confusing at any point in time. Amen? Hallelujah. So in this, you know, um, with this understanding, basically Eve had a conversation with Satan and that conversation got intense until Satan sowed with his words sin into their life. Satan successfully communicated with everything I've said so far. Communication doesn't take place. All right. We just sound waves act. There was actually a transaction. There is intercourse. There is, a, there is a transfer of living entities. That's what happened between um, the serpent and Eve. Amen? Satan was speaking to Eve. She entertained him, and substances from the serpent came out of the serpent's mouth, and they traveled to meet Eve. And because Eve had been receiving his words, those words that she had been receiving, they built a landing pad for Satan's life until there was a successful transfer of Satan's life into Eve. The conclusion of that is that Eve died. Okay? Now, when Eve died, all right, both of them died actually. Amen? 
she gave some to her husband, right? While she was still meditating, actually, she gave some to her husband. It was while her husband was eating that she now died. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is everyone listening? So, I mean, you can see so many scriptures being fulfilled here. There is nothing, there's nothing unique about what I'm saying here. Does that make sense? Death is lived by sin. Death is death by sin. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay, it's a death. There we go. Sin, sin comes by hearing and hearing unto death. There we go. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That was said the sting of death is sin. Amen. So when Satan wants to kill you, sin is the first thing that he does, right? He makes you sin. How does he do that? By sending you stuff, right? By sending you emails. Click on that spam email. You go to a website. And then what happens is a virus on your computer. Amen. The, the clicking on that email, right? The temptation is the email that's sent. Clicking on the, that link is the sin. And then the corruption of your computer is death. I'm sure that makes sense, everyone, right? Hallelujah. By sending projections. There we go. Exactly. I'm, sure, I'm guessing everyone, everyone should be familiar with what I'm saying here, okay? So your spirit man, right, has the very life of God. Okay. Organically, there should be a, an organic projection. Bible says that um, everyone that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. There should be an organic projection of God's life from your spirit, man, through your soul to your body, where once you get born again, your soul should be getting energized, super, you know, in, you know, fiercely inspired by the consciousness of God. Amen. That should be happening with God thoughts invading your mind, angels invading your mind, on a constant basis. That's actually what happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost, by the way. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, by the way, what usually happens is that you, your soul keeps on getting bombarded. I would say, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, my spirit man is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. The unfruitfulness of your understanding is because your, your understanding is unable to lay hold on that transaction that's taking place. The Bible says that, you know, you join to the Lord, there's one spirit with him, right? And when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays. So my spirit is praying, right? Hallelujah. Praying to who? Praying to God. But if my spirit is one with God, according to that verse I said, his journey to the Lord is one spirit with him. So when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I am speaking forth the thoughts of God, right? So when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, it's like I'm inside of the soul of God. Does that make sense? So the Bible says, when I pray in, on, in a known tongue, my spirit man prays, but that spirit man is joined to the Lord, right? Is one with the Lord. So that spirit man that is joined to the Lord is one with God. He's now conversing with God, right? That conversation that he's having with God is what we call praying in the Holy Spirit. Is everyone listening? So my soul is unfruitful in that conversation because my soul is, has not experienced that joining with the Lord, right? But the way the soul is designed, if you expose the soul to enough information after a period of time, what begins to happen? The soul gets, begins to get wind of what's happening. Hallelujah. The same way artificial intelligence works. I spoke about, uh, had a, we had a tech conference today. I spoke about transformer models briefly. But basically, transformer models, um, the way these things work is that um, with this discovery, um, they were able to build this um, beautiful model for um, processing large amounts of data where previously it would have taken a lot of you know, um, hardware to, um, to gain, um, will I say, like um, increasing levels of intelligence. With this new modern um, solution called the transformer model, um, as you provide more and more information to artificial intelligence, 
Um, it's able to cross thresholds and actually understand what you're trying to say, what you're trying to do. And it does that the more information you feed it. Now, the first time feeding information, it just sits there and says, okay, you're trying to say something. More information, okay. And the whole point of all these things happening repeatedly is that over time, pattern recognition sets in and a wisdom for interpreting what is trying to be communicated, right? Begins to flow through that thing, right? This is the same way the soul works. If you slap me once, that's bizarre. I don't know how to respond unless, you know, well, I'm going to say slap me. Let's say you do something to me. I'm just learning who you are. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But after a period of time of you acting a specific way, I come up with the conclusion that that's how this guy is. I have learned who you are. Does that make sense? It takes a little bit of interaction before I'm able to form conclusions about you. Then I can say the equation of this guy is this, this, and this. That's why when people act in ways that are out of the ordinary, you're like, wait, why are you acting like that? Why? Because an intelligence was built about how to interact with you over time by our interactions. What I'm trying to say here is that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that is what is happening on the inside of you. Your soul is gradually building intelligence around that internal conversation your spirit man is having with God. Amen? When you pray for a long period of time, hallelujah, the Bible says, trust me, we're going to make progress today, man. The Bible says that when I pray in the Holy Spirit, right, my spirit man is praying, but my soul or my understanding is unfruitful. Amen. The Bible then goes on to say that let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Amen. Now, how does interpretation happen? You're praying that enough information will bombard the soul with the intent that pattern recognition will set in, with the intent that sufficient wisdom will set in, will set in, with the intent that sufficient understanding will set in, that your understanding will no longer be darkened but the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Does that make sense? Now, that enlightening process I just described now is actually what happens to you, child of God, when the seals are broken. No longer is the life of God a mysterious thing to you where you're not privy. You have no intelligence in deciphering what God is, the life of God inside of you. But because of a lot of interaction, some kind of wisdom sets in. So let's say like this, okay? The life of God, God organically should emerge from your, from your spirit, man, into your soul and be lived out by your body. But because of a lack of intelligence in deciphering the life of God, it is halted, it is frustrated, it is, it is yeah, it's halted, it is frustrated, it is valved, it is closed up, it is sealed. The unsealing of the seven seals is primarily concerned, right, with dealing with the soul so that sufficient infrastructure is installed for reading the book of life. Is everyone listening? Does all this make sense? Who here understands what I just said now? I want to make sure that what I've said is, has been understood because this is critical for understanding this thing here. Amen? Without this bedrock, without this foundation, the book of Revelation just seems like, okay, we have to find a book. Oh, we have to unseal the book. Okay, the book is open. Now we're blowing trumpets. Okay, now we're, blow, we're pouring water from the bowl. Okay, now there's boils everywhere. Amen. Hallelujah. There needs to be an understanding of what, how does this relate to me? Okay, the book of life. I think I'm going to heaven, child. My name's in the book of life. You know, all, you know, all, river of life is flowing. Yes, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to have a way that this connects with us now because the book of Revelation is not 
It is written differently, but it's not the only book that speaks these words. Amen. I used to think before that, oh, that Paul had his own apocalypsis and Peter had his apocalypsis. That I would love to read the apocalypse of Peter. And I realized that, wait, it's right there. It's in the book of first and second Peter. It's in the epistles that, that, that Paul wrote. Just because John wrote his in a prophetic way, right? Just because of John, John the divine's office and he wrote in a prophetic way, doesn't mean that Peter has to write his in a prophetic way. Doesn't mean that Paul has it in a prophetic way. Paul taught the book of Revelation. He taught it. Amen. Peter taught the book of Revelation. He taught it. There's nothing you're going to see in these books, in this, these chapters we're about to look at, okay? You're not going to find scattered throughout the epistles. You're going to find scattered throughout, throughout yeah, the epistles, throughout the, book, throughout the Old Testament. Is everyone listening? So what, what am I saying here, okay? Please, let me ask a question. Who understands what I've said so far? <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm right here. Was it just me having issues joining? Yeah, I think it was just you. I mean, the people who have been here following. Okay, let's, let me, I'm going to leave the, I'm going to allow, allow um, speaking to be done. Can someone else explain in their own words what I've, what I've said so far? You can unmute yourself at any point in time. Just to break it down in your own words. If y'all, I, I vote you, since you said you understand. I'm going to do what Papa says. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> What's the wow about? Okay. Okay. Um... Shalom, beloved. Um, good evening, everyone. So, well, we've touched on many things. Um, I, I would say that we, we start from the book of Exodus, explaining um, Exodus chapter 19 and 20, and we highlighted um, the importance of reading the scriptures carefully, and that it's possible for us to miss some things. And so um, one of the things that we brought out is the uh, the way that prophetic writings are written. So Prophet Moses, shush, there's, there's an example with Prophet Moses where um, he's writing about the marriage proposal between God and the children of Israel, which as we were even talking about it, I just realized that we need to rethink our understanding of wedding proposals because I just had a completely different understanding of of it right there let me come out of that hole but i would very much want to enter that hole i'm coming out of it and so we see that in chapter 20 um he explains a specific portion of chapter 19 and so we are not necessarily to read the bible as if they are sequentially written but prophetic writings have a way that they are written that they could be both sequential and emphatic at the same time so they could pause for effects in some chapters. So um, we looked at chapter 17 okay. and it, yeah. So they could be going and then just pause for effect and highlight something and then continue. Um, then we have taken that to the book of Revelation, talking about, you know, the trumpets and what, you know, the different trumpetings mean and um, and all of that. And so... We are basically, or we are basically emphasizing the point that um, the writings that um, we see in Revelation are not unique to the book, and so we shouldn't give ourselves to the lie or the deception that the book is difficult, 
because um, the way that it is written is, is is typical to the way that some other books in the Bible are written as well. So you find that the same experiences or the same things are encountered by other apostles. Paul writes his in epistles and is focused on church planting. Peter writes his, like you see in first and second Peter, as words of encouragement to the church. Um, you find little pockets of it. I think even in Jude, where he references um, something about Enoch, the book of Enoch. You find that they are, different people are talking about the same thing and they are able to point you specifically to those different things. And so um, basically, we are just encouraging ourselves to um, open our eyes to the understanding of the revelation of Jesus and that it can be expressed differently. So we don't want to be boxed into a particular sense, but like open our eyes broad, and that will help us to understand what the Bible is saying to us. I think finally we spoke about the we've spoken about the communication of the life of God, and I like the way that you explain it, which is that the word of God is living and powerful, so it doesn't just come out on its own, but it comes out with infrastructure. So, in fact, as I'm thinking about it now, I'm thinking about it as as you know the God and himself represent a kingdom. And so he's not just speaking words, but he's speaking the establishment of his kingdom. So every word that goes forth, sends forth infrastructure to establish the kingdom that he's speaking forth. So, oh my goodness, I'm just saying, that's, that's literally what's happening in Genesis. But in our lives today, what is really happening is that as he sends forth his word, he is sending the infrastructure that is required for the world to rest, for that word or the manifestation of that word to rest on that infrastructure. Um, yes, let me stop there. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. That was so well, that was so well done. I, I was only expecting to talk about the last part, but you actually did a wonderful job there summarizing everything. So um, I hope everyone, does everyone understand what has been said? Anyone have not, anyone not understand what he said or what has been said so far? Or does anyone have any questions? I'm about, we're basically going to round up after this because I think we're, we're done um, for today. We'll get into the seals themselves again. But basically, I want to make sure that um, there was this foundation before we get into the seals. Um, because, and I'm giving, while I'm talking, I'm just giving room for anyone to type in their questions or to raise their hand saying, I have a question though, that please, uh, why are you guys saying this? And whatever, you know. But um the end goal is that you're seeing all of these things in the book of Revelation. You can read the book and it applies to you. And it's not just a futuristic thing. Because again, this book was written to the seven churches for execution. It starts off with, let me just open that portion of the scripture. Um, let's say you're a boss, okay? And you give your servant something that should happen. The Bible says in Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, Okay. If I go and tell you, thank you, must, must take place. If I tell you, you're my servant, I tell you, this thing needs to happen, right? That means I'm telling you what you ought to do. So the book of Revelations, all right, is a book, all right, detailing how Christ must be built on the earth, right? And it starts with what? Unleashing the life of God inside of you, amen? It starts off with you individually unleashing Christ personally. Does that make sense? That is the purpose of the unsealing of the book. Until the book is unsealed personally, 
the experience of the blowing of the trumpets, that corporate experience, and finally the bowls of wrath being poured out by the church, church altogether, all right, is going to not, you're not going to be hearing any trumpets. Amen. That's the truth. And man, um, some things get really sobering as more understanding comes in because you can just realize that, man, if this is what the Bible is saying, where did we get our theories from? Amen. What do we, I encourage you, you know, like Shelley spoke about using her imagination in place of prayer, right? And we spoke about, you know, the wonderful things that come, come as a result of that. I want to encourage you, okay? After everything you've heard today, don't, don't, don't make this a message or a teaching. Apply the wisdom you've learned to the rest of your prayer life, to the rest of your Bible study life. If, if these words here are spirit and life, what happens when I'm reading this book? Allow your imagination to be fruitful in those things. What happens when I am praying? Allow your imagination to be fruitful in those things. Allow the, those things to inform your, your prayer life so that when you're praying, even if you are bored, you can't just sit and be thinking, I have the wisdom of the age to come right now inside of me. I have the very life of God. That is enough to get you fired up and start praying. Who cares what I'm saying? You can just start shout out I have the life of God inside of me. I have the wisdom of God inside of me. Christ is the light of God. Christ is the life of God. I mean, that's all you need. And inside them in place of prayer. Yes, yes. Can I be honest with you? That's how you pray for days and you lose track of time. There's times when you're lost in prayer. You lose hours. You don't even know. Not because you're trying to lose hours. Amen? But because you're, you're distracted by what you're praying, by what you're doing. And this is something I encourage every believer. This is not for big men of God. Amen? This is not for those of course, women. This is for every child of God. Allow them to consume us. Yes. Allow these things. And I'm saying this for another reason too. Not just because of, the, um, you know, um, us understanding all of these things. But because every, yes, overwhelming us. Yes. But because every single one of us, when we minister one to another, I like that. Overwhelm, overcome. Overpower and overtake. I love that. <laughs> I receive in the name of Jesus. <laughs> come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I felt that. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Oof. Overshadow. That's where that's from. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I was wondering whether I must have more. <laughs> I felt that. Jesus so strong. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Wow. Mm, come on. Come on. Mm, come on thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus overwhelm us lord jesus yes we must have more overcome us jesus we must have more overpower us lord jesus we must have more overtake us lord jesus we must have more overshadow us lord jesus we must have more we thank you for more in the name of jesus more in the name of jesus yes yes more of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, one, one other reason uh, we want to digest all of these things because the Bible says that, you know, basically the narrative of Jesus and Peter, when Christ was revealed to Peter, Jesus said to him, you are Peter. He was called Simon by Jonah before. You are Peter. You are Peter. Right? And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Basically, Jesus Christ is saying this. Because I have been revealed to you, 
your identity, your functionality in the household of God can be actualized. Believers only get functional in the church, all right, when they go through these practices. As we minister one to another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, like you said, classical hymns, right? As we do one to another, we're not meant to minister to each other and it's just a, a word like, oh, thank you so much. Wow, that's a wonderful word, sir. We're actually meant to digest all of these things. And the fruit of that digestion is a revelation of Jesus Christ that further improves our functionality. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, hallelujah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ. We thank you for overwhelming us, for overtaking us, for overcoming us, for overpowering us, for overshadowing us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for more of you, for more insight, for more understanding, for more functionality in the name of Jesus. We bless what you're doing, even right now in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank you all so much for joining us. Um, this is Mysteries of the Kingdom. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to continue next week. We just wanted to do an, another layer of establishment before we continue. Um, hallelujah. Don't forget that um, tomorrow is Melchizedek School of Priesthood. Announcements, announcements, upcoming announcements. Um, and that will be taking place locally in the cave. Then we're going to be having um, our youth vigils. Um, let me see here. Let me get this youth vigils I have here. Can we do them? Yes, PG. Our youth vigil, I have a new name for it now. It came as a consequence of uh, what you call it. Um, pray, with, pray with us. So get ready with us. GRW. SW, study with us, and then pray with us. So pray with us um, tomorrow night. And then lastly, we'll have study with us, and then we'll have a get revived with get revived with us on Saturday. On Saturday, we'll also be having a worship meeting at the same time. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I believe Blessing Peter will be ministering during that time. So I encourage you to come in person. It's going to be a blast. Oh, you guys are so kind. Love y'all so much. Oh, Jesus love y'all too. Hallelujah. Love you all so much. Really grateful. Jesus dreams, beloved. Um, have a good night. <laughs>